Welcome to Season 3 of American Political History, Conformity, War, and Liberty, The Pig War. The Puritans would start to become a major competitor to the Dutch New Netherlands, both by expanding into the contested territories of Connecticut and in the world of fur trading, where the English presence allowed the natives to shop the Dutch's fixed prices against the English price, breaking the Dutch's monopoly to the European markets. And in the 1640s, the Puritans threatened the wampum-producing nations of the coast on Connecticut, eventually going to war with the Pequot, gaining control of their production of wampum. The Pequot had been the supplier of the Dutch's wampum for trade. This lack of wampum supply placed limitations on their ability to trade for furs with the Mohawks in the interior. New Amsterdam was also affected by the collapse of the Amsterdam Commodity Exchange in December of 1637, where trading tulip bulbs had burst after speculation had made the price of a tulip bulb grow to extraordinary prices. After the market crashed, there was little excess capital to be invested into ventures like the New Netherlands. Compounding all of this was that the Dutch's government's aid that it had offered to the colony was that it threatened to ship indigent people to the New Netherlands, a clear signal of the colony's place in the mind of Dutch government officials. All of this mismanagement led to the obvious failure of this colony to develop. New Amsterdam was still maybe 200 inhabitants. In comparison, Boston at the time had over 1,000 inhabitants. And Boston was growing so fast that it had expanded into neighboring areas to form additional settlements. The Dutch authorities threatened to revoke the New Netherlands Company Charter and Monopoly rights if they didn't start making progress in the New Netherlands colony. The company's board fired the governor and annulled all of his personal land purchases in the New Netherlands. His purchases looked to be a part of some sort of nefarious scheme to circumvent the company for his own personal gain. The company then marketed new immigrants with the promise of cheap transportation, up to 200 acres of land and a schoolmaster for the education of their children, because public schools were available in the Netherlands for all classes of children. And all of this would come with only minor taxation on imports and exports, an unimportant factor for most subsistence farms for their families. In 1638, the company board appointed William Kieft as governor. He inherited a colony with mostly original buildings that stood in total disrepair, with a violent mostly male population, where things like rape and assault were commonplace and unpunished. Kieft took immediate actions to turn things around in New Amsterdam. He forbid the sale of alcohol at the company's store. He posted edicts to ban intercourse with unwed women. He ordered no sailor could stay overnight in New Amsterdam. He established a ferry crossing on the Hudson River, expanding Dutch access to easy trade with natives on the north side of the Hudson River. He bought extensive tracts of lands from the Lenape natives. This land would include modern-day Queens, Kings, and the Bronx counties, as well as Jersey City on the western side of the Hudson. He sent notice to Boston and Virginia that the West India Company would be protecting the New Netherlands borders by force if necessary. He thought this threat would work. But what he didn't understand was that New Englanders were not an invading English army, they were invading immigrants, with little other options on the edge of European society, and most were often thrown out of Boston for failing to follow Puritan doctrine. As the English immigrants kept settling into Dutch lands, Keefe ordered that all Englishmen in the New Netherlands colony swear an oath under God to the state's general. Today's term would be the Dutch government. Keefe, like many other governors of American colonies, started to lose control by becoming authoritarian without the power to back that authoritarian demand. 
He lost support from local Dutch by reducing the governing council of New Amsterdam to one member, himself, on the grounds that no one else in the colony was qualified enough to sit on that board. He also allowed his troops to disrupt religious sermons with loud games. When a preacher took this issue to Kieft, Kieft brushed off the clergyman and accused the preacher of regularly preaching while drunk. But Kieft's policy towards the Lenape would bring almost ruin to the colony. In the 1640s, the Lenape had been decimated by disease and war. From 1600 to 1640, their population had shrunk by an estimated 90%. After a war between the Mohicans and the Mohawks was over, they both looked at the decimated Lenape as the next opportunity to strengthen their nations. They independently sent messages to the Lenape demanding tribute or they would face war with their nations. The Lenape were an attractive target because they were one of the coastal wampum producers. Kieft saw this as an opportunity for himself, too, and demanded payment from the Lenape. After all, the Dutch were helping to defend the greater New Netherlands region, which the Lenape lived in and considered their land, and the Lenape needed to help pay for the Dutch's continued help and protection. The problem for Kieft was, out of the three demanding tribute of the Lenape, the Dutch were by far the weakest. The Mohawks were part of the recently formed Iroquois League of Nations, a newly formed and powerful league and they were demanding tribute or war from the Lenape. The Mohicans were strong enough to stand in a recent war toe-to-toe and at least defend themselves against the Mohawk. And the Dutch were, well, a ragtag bunch of oversprawled immigrants. The following spring, the Raritan nation of the Lenape drove a Dutch trading party off their lands. Later that year, the Raritan again refused to pay the Dutch tribute demands, and then allegedly the Dutch say, they attacked and killed some swine on a local Dutchman's farm. Governor Kieft dispatched 80 soldiers to teach them a lesson. After the Dutch soldiers barged into the Raritan village, killed four of their elders, tortured the sachem's brother with hot irons to private places, the enraged Raritan nation attacked the closest Dutch plantation, killing the family and burning the plantation to the ground. The Dutch population in New Amsterdam blamed Kieft over what they called a pig war, deriding his choice of starting a war with the Lenape over a few pigs. Kieft, with a hostile population in New Amsterdam, set up a council of twelve to help him deal with the potential war issue. He gave the council reports in which the native sachems had boasted that they wished they had killed more Dutch and were planning on killing more Dutch in the future. This intel is dubious. At best, as Kieft was the only person capable of providing intelligence, he could have told the council anything he wanted, and they had no real way of checking the validity of the militia's intelligence reports. Kieft got the council to agree that the Dutch needed to protect themselves against these savage threats, but when the council started making more demands that Kieft form a more responsible government, blah, 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 he immediately disbanded the council and carried on with what he called revenge against the Raritans. Over the summer of 1642, another Dutch plantation was attacked and the farmers killed by the Wekwesek. Keith ordered the Wekwesek hand over the murderer, and they refused, of course. In the spring of 1643, the Mohican nation attacked the Lenape nations of Tappan and Wekwesek. The surviving Wekwesek fled to Panovia, an encampment located just southwest of New Amsterdam on the Hudson River. Keith saw this as an opportunity and launched a large surprise attack on Panovia, because it housed the Wekwesek murderers of the Dutch family from the summer before. But Kieft's forces indiscriminately slaughtered any and all Lenape they found in Panovia. 
This action triggered all-out war with the Lenape nations. Within weeks, all nine nations of Lenape were at war with the Dutch. They destroyed any settlement they could find and indiscriminately killed Dutch and English settlers alike, including Anne Hutchinson's family, forcing all Dutch settlers to consolidate back into New Amsterdam on Manhattan Island. In the countryside, the Lenape forces were up to 1,500 warriors and easily overpowered the Dutch's perhaps 200 militiamen. Almost every settlement besides New Amsterdam on Manhattan Island had to be abandoned and was pillaged and burnt to the ground. Kieft had brought doom on the New Netherlands colony. There were two assassination attempts on Kieft's life within the next month. He faced angry crowds of settlers that had abandoned their farms returning to New Amsterdam with absolutely nothing. Kieft tried again to form a council of eight to help him navigate through this crisis. No one was interested in joining his council. The word in New Amsterdam was that Keefe was hauled up in his quarters, counting his money and drinking himself to death. John Underhill, locally famous for his hard, brutal handling of the Pequot War, rallied the Dutch militia in the winter of 1644. He attacked the Lenape villages on Stranton Island, Long Island, and on the Connecticut side of the Long Island Sound. While John Underhill was leading a successful military campaign against the Lenape, Keefe decided that the real issue had been that the New Netherlands lacked enough population. If they had just had outnumbered the Lenape, then they could extract all the tribute he wanted. Which has a certain truth to it, in a way. He announced larger land grants to settlers and attracted English immigrants that had been banished by the Puritans. The forerunner of the Quakers would arrive attracted by these land grants, but would quickly be driven off by the Lenape raiders. They would return after the war in 1645 and settle Gravesend, Brooklyn, today. In 1647, company authorities in Amsterdam decided to replace Kieft. Peter Stuyvesant arrived later in 1647. His first assessment of the colony was that New Amsterdam was a complete and utter wreck. Keefe's reckless war had hollowed out the colony entirely. There was 300 ragtag militiamen remaining with around 700 people cowering in makeshift hovels too scared to return to their farms outside of Manhattan. Stuyvesant would inform the people of the New Netherlands that he intended to govern them as he would his children, a combination of ruthlessness and piety. He would order immediate proclamations of cleanliness, including the removal of all building material from the streets. Owners were to maintain the upkeep of their buildings at all times. He approved for paved cobblestone streets, a speed limit for horse-drawn carts to protect from road erosion. He banned animals from foraging freely through New Amsterdam. These animals caused damage to people's gardens and dug up posts for the city's ramparts. He ordered that the city guard was to shoot any hog moving towards the city fort or city walls, and any unaccompanied animals were to be immediately sent to the pound for slaughter. It was forbidden to throw rubbish, oyster shells, or anything on the like to the streets. Any privy that released a ground level into the streets was banned. City dwellers were required to clean the roads in front of their properties, and butchers could not drop their foul waste into the streets anymore. By 1659, the company set up orphanages and belatedly paid for the teacher for public school children. This had been advertised years before, but no one had ever funded it. This turnaround was not possible without simultaneously turning around the local economy. Stosivizant also changed property sales laws. The once freewheeling land markets was now regulated. Any property sale would be invalid without his approval and without being booked in the local register. He also made every Saturday a municipal market day. By 1665, it was customary on Saturdays that the residents of the countryside would be in New Amsterdam to sell their wares. 
he made an annual market fair day where the only price controls would be supply and demand. And much like street fairs today, the roads and communal areas would be used for this fair, which was fabulously successful. He set up an autumn cattle market by building a municipal warehouse. Flyers for this were sent and posted in Dutch and English to attract farmers from miles and miles around. By the 1660s, the New Netherland population had climbed to 3,500 men, women, and children, and a decade later in 1670 to 9,000. Governor Stuyvesant would turn an eclectic group of European immigrants into a thriving multinational settlement that would be the foundation for New York City. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating, and share this show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.